Hello everybody and welcome to G-Wiz, your family-friendly podcast where we discuss D&D Onslaught, Dice Masters, Hero Clicks, and the other entertaining games made by WizKids. I'm WizDad, I'm that one Super Bowl commercial that came on just a few too many times. I'm not really that funny, I started to become a bit annoying, but unfortunately you're going to remember me for the next few years. I will be your guide for navigating the competitive and casual scenes of the WizKids Triforce of Gaming. It's Mashup Monday. It's going to be a Heroclix-centric episode since I missed the last Heroclix Friday. We are going to discuss some of the previews that we've seen of the next Heroclix at Marvel Studios' next phase. And I'll be going over the core of the four Silver Age teams I'm considering for next weekend's Rock Regional in Chattanooga, Tennessee. But first, let's get to the WizKids Progress Report. Kowalski, Progress Report. So to start things off with the progress report, first, as always, let's talk a little bit about the solicits. So right now, there's not really much change since last time we talked on Wednesday. Everything in February has a release date except for the D&D Classics Collection Monsters K through N. March still doesn't have really anything outside of Cell Swords 2 and Colossal Kong coming out on the 6th. Everything else still kind of has a March, you know, March month. You know, it'll be out in March, which, you know, there's a lot of hero clicks there, a lot of next phase. There's, I think, two Iconics currently scheduled. There's the there's the, uh, the Colossal Kong, obviously, and then there's the Iconics Peacemaker on the Wings of Eagly that is also supposed to come out in March. I don't believe the other one is supposed to come out until April, so I think we're good there. Uh, but we still don't have an official release date for next phase. But with how many previews we've seen thus far, because practically the whole set, at least the commons through rares, we know of all of them. We've seen the dials for all of them. We are still missing quite a few super rares and a few chases, obviously. Uh, when you get kind of to that threshold of previews, to me, that means things are getting close, right? Like, it's getting close to being released. At least pre-release. If they're doing a pre-release, it wouldn't surprise me if there was a pre-release at the end of February. So, uh, let's see. They usually do pre-releases starting on Wednesday, so the 28th of February. Would not surprise me if that's when pre-releases start, with the set dropping on the 6th or probably the 13th. If it drops on the 13th, that does put some questions of legality for Adepticon. Uh, that doesn't really f give it its full week, right? Like, Adepticon is the, if I remember correctly, it's the 20th through the 24th. So it would hit right at the week after the set would potentially release. So... I'm willing to believe that next phase probably isn't going to be legal for Adepticon, at least at this point. But we have seen a lot of the set. I wanted to go over some of the interesting pieces. I will talk about every piece and do a full set review once we know everything. Uh, absolutely, it, I like doing the set reviews. It's a nice time to kind of go through and talk about it. But the one thing uh, that I want to talk about now is if we do start getting pre-releases before I do that, 
I want to highlight some pieces that I think have potential and maybe you should start building with initially um, before it even drops. Because a lot of this is on HC units. Uh, Clay Wood, who runs the site, is very good about getting these pieces on there. So let's go ahead and talk about some of these. Now, honestly, I don't think there's really much in the way of commons that make a huge, huge impact. Uh, they're, they're commons, right? They're, they're okay. Nothing really right home. We do have some of these, like, expendable goons, uh, tracksuit mafia, which they're interesting. They work just like the other expendable goons. They are a sidestep, uh, super senses and empower for 15 points, which is okay. Um, I think we already get an empower, but, uh, you know, that's something to put in your wheelhouse because that does work with the ones from Notorious. Let's talk a minute about two pieces, or sorry, one piece. Let's talk about trick arrows. Now, trick arrows, I believe, are listed as a common. 015 is the trick arrows. So, trick arrows work um let's see how to ex explain it they're indestructible their equipment qualifying keywords is marksman now like the other equipment obviously if you have the qualifying name which is marksman you can do it for free otherwise i believe it's 10 points if i'm looking at this right yeah 10 points so a force may only con contain one trick arrow equipment once per game when this is equipped, place up to three trick arrow cards face down. You can look at them. And when this character hits, you may flip over a face down trick arrow card and perform its on reveal effect. There are, I believe, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven different trick arrow cards. Uh, you kind of have like a trick arrow deck. And at the beginning of the game, I believe is that that's how it reads. Yeah, once per game. When this is equipped so at the beginning of the game is effectively when you're equipping it you put down the three cards that you want out of the seven the seven are putty this one is on reveal generate up to four squares of hindering terrain marker in or adjacent to a hit target at the beginning of your next turn remove these hindering terrain markers opposing characters occupying or adjacent to these hindering terrain markers must roll for breakaway and cannot automatically break away so that's solid sonic not the hedgehog though that would be a, a neat tie-in on reveal choose a hit character and all opposing characters adjacent to them give those characters an action token that's solid acid choose a hit character this turn if that character would reduce damage they reduce damage by one less okay electrical choose a hit character instead of normal damage deal two penetrating damage to the chosen character and up to one other opposing character within two squares of the chosen character. Now that's solid. Two penetrating damage to one, and then you just choose another character within two. That's good, because that can help you get through, uh, you know, like super senses, shape change, all of that, because you're just dealing two extra damage to the other person. USB. This one's, a, this one's probably one of the more popular ones. On reveal. Instead of normal damage, destroy an equipment equipped to each hit character. So if you've got triple targets, you hit three people, you use USB, you take out all their equipment. That's big. There's a ton of equipment out there. Too dangerous. 
is another one. On reveal, choose a hit character instead of normal damage. Deal three damage to the chosen character and all characters adjacent to them. Knock each damage damage character one square. So this is your kind of explosion too dangerous, obviously. Um, it's not penetrating, but it does hit everybody, and then they get knocked back and take knockback damage, potentially. So that's big. Speaking of big, the last one is the big trick arrow. On reveal, choose a square adjacent to a hit target. After resolutions, this character may use Quake as free as if they occupied the chosen square. And after resolutions, generate a blocking terrain marker in that square. So that one's interesting too. You know, you're doing Quake as free as if you occupied the square. On reveal, choose a square adjacent to a hit target. So you hit the target and you deal damage. And then after resolutions, this character can you use Quake as free as if you occupied the chosen square. And then after resolutions of that, generate a blocking train marker in that square. It's neat that it's a power that has after resolutions in it twice. Like to me, that's neat <laughs> that they have all of that in there. So the interesting thing about Trick Arrows is the fact that there's now a mystery element. Um, I've talked to quite a few people in the Heroclix community, and that's one of the things that it's kind of a little bit apprehensive. You know, when you look at a build sheet, you know everything that's on their list. Well, when you go in with Trick Arrows, you know that potentially, and this is how I view it, all seven, any of the seven, are up for potential, right? Your opponent can bring any of those seven into any game. So you have to assume that they always have the one you want to not face, right? They have the worst one for you at all times. And you don't know which one. They could bring three of them, and all three could be bad for you. So Trick Arrow absolutely is going to see play, because those, those arrows are good. USB is great. Too Dangerous is good. Big is pretty good. Even some of the other ones, like Electrical, I think, dealing too penetrating could be very clutch. So Trick Arrow absolutely get yourself a set of those luckily luckily it is a common kind of like the health cycle and the motorcycle so it should be reasonably easy to get talking about some uncommons that i would want to point out um this is a very interesting set is kind of one i want to say off the bat there's some really interesting characters and you know, there's not a lot of high points characters, and some of these are just kind of ho-hum. But that doesn't mean they're bad. I think Mr. First off, I think Mr. Immortal is hilarious. If you haven't looked at his powers, faking deaths to avoid breakups. He's 35 points, number 029. When Mr. Immortal would be KO'd, except by this trait, roll a d6. If you roll a 1, KO Mr. Immortal. 2 through 3, turn Mr. Immortal to click 1 and place him up to 4 squares away from his current square, and opponent scores 10 points. 4 through 6, turn him to click 1, place him up to 4 squares away from his current square. So you got a 50% chance of your, your opponent scoring nothing, and that's just it. It, do it doesn't stack up, it isn't like he keeps getting like mortality tokens, it's just simply when he would be KO'd, you roll a d6, if it's not a 1... He survives. If it's a 2 through 3, your opponent scores 10 points. What I love about it is he has a trait that literally says, free, KO Mr. Immortal. You just KO him. Uh, it's called, I'm not dealing with this. Which, if you've seen 
uh, She-Hulk. It's hilarious. It's so, so, like, perfect to the character. Um, he only has placidity and perplex. He's 16, no defensive powers. Pro probably not playable, but I just wanted to bring that up because I thought he was hilarious. Um, looking at some of these other characters, once again, I will go into more detail about the ones that I think are great. I will bring up Moon Knight at 200 points. I think he's playable. He's definitely the one you want to pull in sealed because he's 200 points and he's very difficult to, to take out. He does have like a colossal retail of himself. Free, choose an opposing character that damaged a friendly character since your last turn. Place Moon Knight such that he can make a close attack targeting the chosen character, then do so. That's great. He has three stop clicks. He's 12 for 4 at top dial. Like, it's solid. Super, super solid. But, um, you know, it, you could probably get through his dial. I don't know how competitive he is. He might be okay in Pulp. Remember, I'm going to go through Pulp and I'm going to go through uh, Modern once we do the review i am not sure about the pizza objects um, i'm gonna have to do some more di digging into that because there is mechanics with the pizza objects that is neat i don't know how great it is but i want to make sure i'm not missing something so i will table that getting into the super rares we know elsa bloodstone i think is interesting the we've got a prime elsa bloodstone Charge, running shot is a trait. When Elsa Bloodstone hits, after resolutions, you may unequip a hit, hit, hit character and equip any equipment. Unequip this way to Elsa Bloodstone. So she, she's kind of got that, um, the orange battery guy. I forget his name. That kind of trait where he runs around and just starts stockpiling all of these, uh, all of their equipment. Uh, he was the only one, I think, that could, that currently could do it again collector used to do something like that right like where he can kind of stack up on on all of that larflees is the name i'm sure everyone was screaming it at me so uh she could do that she can equip any number of equipment when equipped this way and then she has free choose an unequipped equipment equipped to elsa bloodstone an adjacent friendly character may immediately equip that equipment so cool it says it doesn't say adjacent standard so any colossal she can still do it that way if she has it equipped she also has an attack special attack power precision strike free make an attack but only to target an equipped opposing character sweet and then a special defense power until last click super senses elsa bloodstone takes a maximum of one damage from equipped characters protected outwit then she's got outwit and stealth no well she has charge and running shot i think she's actually really good i think she, with all the equipment is out there all the scott porters that are throwing rings everywhere she's really solid she also has marksman so she herself can get trick arrows for free and that's kind of neat right like we don't have, marksman is a new keyword so we don't have a ton of that out there though i guess scott, the one scott porter could just equip it because he has all keywords right so looking at some of these other pieces um wong is going to be one everyone is talking about super rare wong is unique if wong is adjacent to exactly one opposing character and this is a trait and neither is adjacent to any other character 
Other characters can't be moved or placed adjacent to either of them and can't target either of them. He's got phasing, uh, special movement power, phasing teleport, plasticity. When Wong uses phasing teleport, after resolutions, he can use flurry as free. And he's got a seven movement. And he has a stop click, super senses toughness. When this click is first revealed, immediately place Wong up to three squares away from his current square. And then a special damage power for the first five clicks, exploit, probability control, giant reach two. He's pretty nutty for just 75 points. Power Cosmic and Mystics. He is definitely going to be a beast, which is really funny because it's Wong, right? Like, that's just humorous. And uh, that's kind of most of what I'm going to talk about now. We did see another uh, Avatar, Tarette. So we like Khonshu, which we've talked about before. Tarette gives your Avatar support and outwit for effectively free if they have Herald. So this one's a pretty big one. It's pretty good. And we also saw there's Jack and Elsa. We know there's Steve from the musical, which the musical one, I'm interested to see how good they are. We also have Kate and Lucky is another chase, which that one I think is one of the not as good ones, but maybe I'm wrong. And then we have the Ultra Chase, which we know is Kevin, K.E.V.I.N. So basically the big robot at the end of um she-hulk spoilers and he's interesting i won't go into too much detail of him because i don't know how good he is but for 40 points i think he does interesting enough things i don't know if it is uh if it's going to um be what's the word meta potential i don't know if he has that but maybe but I've been talking a lot about previews. I just wanted to touch on a few of ones that I think are interesting. We're going to keep getting more. And once again, I'm going to go in depth on almost every single piece when I do the set review. So I don't want to talk too much about that. Instead, let's hop into the fishing segment as I go over the four Silver Age teams that I've been working on over the weekend. Get your gear, little man. We're going fishing. So I believe I mentioned it before, but I'm going to the Rock Regional in Chattanooga, Tennessee next Sunday. Um, I'm still undecided on what I want to play. It's Silver Age, so I'm. it's not that I'm not taking it seriously. It's just I've been kind of focused, you know, thinking about the Adepticon tournament that I haven't had the capabilities of devoting that much energy to Silver Age. But I knew with it being next weekend... I needed to devote time. So I spent this weekend focusing on it and then realizing I don't own as many pieces <laughs> as I thought I did. But I did ultimately build four teams that I am bouncing between. They're all different kind of archetypes. And I thought I would go over the different cores with you of the teams. Not like everything about it because I'm still undecided on some of the specifics like equipment and whatnot. But effectively, I have built four teams that I think would be solid, fun teams to play in silver, and I'm hoping would do pretty well in the tournament. Some initial thoughts before we get into the team specifically. When I What I found myself dealing with when building for silver. One, 
I think the limitation of 200 points for modern is strong. I think it was absolutely necessary because I butted against that wall so many times. Uh, so many times that I hit 200, 190 points, 200 points, and I kept sitting there thinking, oh man, man, did I, did I cut it a little too close. Um, I will also say 400 points. I'm warming up to the idea of 400 points. I don't know if I still like it though. I do think it might be too many. It might enable certain things that shouldn't necessarily be enabled, but I am going to be cautiously optimistic. How about that? And so let's kick into the first team. I would be remiss if I didn't start building Avengers. If you know anything about myself and what I've played over the past few years, I'm a big Avengers fan. I'm a big Avengers swap fan. I like the Empire Captain America that allows you to swap figures. That's just something I like. And I built around that, and then they kind of prematurely retired, and I was sad, but hey, we're back in Silver Age, and what do you know? It's back on the table. And there's an added benefit of the fact that swap mechanics allow you to get around the modern limitations because the limitations is based off of your starting force. So first off, the Captain Americas themselves are Silver Age. Most of the pieces you swap in can be uh, swap out can be Silver Age and you can bring in modern pieces. Now the biggest detriment to Avengers currently is obviously on the ban list are the two biggest pieces for Avengers. So Carrion Iron Man and Scarlet Witch were the key cogs for a an Avenger team. An Avenger team. And they're gone. So you might be thinking, Wizdad, why on earth are you building with them? Well, there's still a lot of good pieces to go around. So the way I went about building this was I thought, what, what do I want my final team to be? Steve Rogers, the one from... Oh, Captain America and the Avengers. It's the Steve that's like punching the air with a shield. He's the one that allows you to, to bring a piece and give them the Avengers or shield keyword if they're 50 points or less. He is a key cog because he allows me to bring in, ideally would have been Carnage Silver Surfer, but he's banned. But he does allow me to bring in the MOE engine, the Masters of Evil. He allows me to bring King Killmonger to the Avengers. And I can have the other MOE on the sideline for his mechanics. And they don't have to have an Avengers, right? So that's fine. Just the one that starts the Force does if I want an Avenger theme. Which I do for the Scott Porters. So the concept behind the team is built around Prime Spider-Man, who does have Avengers. It's built around Falcon. It's built around... And this is kind of my initial one. Uh, two Scott Porters. Basically, think of this. King Killmonger, Miss Marvel, the super rare from um, AV60. The one that if someone adjacent moves when she's tiny, she can get placed next to them. And then she could just do things. One of which is equip a ring and pop out a construct, which is nice. The two Scott Porters, Prime Spider-Man, Falcon, Pegasus Captain America, and two two gun kids i've talked about two gun kids before 
I think they are absolutely ridiculous, incredibly strong, and guess what? They get better when you give one of them a power gem and maybe the other one a lightning ring. I'm still undecided on that part. I did go back and forth and debate, do I want Chase Black Widow? Uh, Chase Black Widow, I think, might be overcosted at this point. I think she's still good, but at 100 points, it's a little harder. But I found myself um, doing the math and the, the, you know, the mental gymnastics on getting it to work. And I think I got it to a place, uh, I, I do a spreadsheet, by the way, a big old spreadsheet. I got it to a point where I believe I could swap things out and also get me a free Waldo arms. Um, there is the Spider-Man uh, Absolute Carnage set that has a superior Spider-Man that has Avengers and he comes with the Waldo arms for free. So you could swap into him and then swap him out and he'll drop his Waldo arms for free. So you could equip that to Prime Spider-Man is what I'm thinking. But effectively the final team, once again, Miss Marvel, Super Rare, Falcon, King Killmonger, two Scott Porters, two gun two two gun kids, Prime Spider-Man, Pegasus Captain America. And the thought is Falcon brings a bunch of people over. King Killmonger, turn one, you can swap for Kid Thanos. You can actually start with Kid Thanos. That's the other concept. Start with Kid Thanos, use him to taxi to bring over the Scott Porters and Two-Gun Kids, and then swap over to King Killmonger to provide a little bit more defensive capabilities. But effectively, it's a lot of damage, right? Prime Spider-Man hits like a truck. Miss Marvel, she does a lot with the Construct, and she hits... Also, right? Because she has the keyword. She could drop the contract and hit. She has Empower also. I usually give her the blue ring to kind of give that extra bonus. Two-Gun Kid we know is great, or I've mentioned it's great. And even the Scott Porters have capabilities, right? They bump up the attack of the Two-Gun Kid to where we're talking 12 for 4, 12 for 5 from one of the Two-Gun Kids. And he attacks twice from like across the map. I think it's great. Like, I, I think it's a really, really good team. Um... It's probably the one I'm leaning towards most, potentially. Um, I just need a few pieces that I don't have. I don't have a Prime Spider-Man. Big bummer. Um, I don't have... I still need to hunt down the Legacy cards for Two-Gun Kid. I do have the figures, but I still need a Legacy card. And I don't have Kid Thanos. I have the others, but I don't have Kid Thanos. He's one of the ones I don't have. So... That's the Avenger core. I think it's solid. It's kind of built off of my Nationals team, which I didn't obviously make cut at Nationals, but I felt like the team itself had a lot of potential. It was just my own ineptitude and my own lack of practice that led to led to it not succeeding. So that takes us to our second team. Uh, the second team... Um, is going back to another thing I used to love, and that is the Foot Elite. The Foot Elite Boomerang, specifically from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle 4 set, the Unplugged. They're the figures that, if you've never played them, 35, uh, 25 points. When an adjacent friendly character is KO'd or takes 3 damage but isn't KO'd, give Foot Elite an opportunity token. Free action, remove an opportunity token to either make an attack or move up to 2 squares. So concept is beginning of first turn you could pop out a construct because that is technically a friendly character you can move enough away from the construct to pop it 
and bada beam bada boom all your foot elite now have opportunity tokens they can make free attacks so the team is built around the soldier theme it's super wonky i built this with pj bowling and uh, he built a lot of it and i kind of helped supplement it and it's kind of weird it's super weird but it works because it works with having um like captain america samantha cap if you remember her from adw she's the one that could be carried and when she's being carried the carry carrying character speed is plus three which is nutty and then if she has no action tokens she'd be given a non-free action after being carried so she could punch she could do other things we have taskmaster which i know you're thinking why i'll get to that in a second but taskmaster 007 from black widow um then we have deathstroke from batman 50 points he's necessary because he actually allows flash from wonder woman 80 we all know that flash and green lantern batman he gives them the soldier keyword so now we're all soldier theme which is necessary because we are playing white shirt or sorry black shirt scott porter um he's necessary because he gives us community tokens um, we're playing both scott porters i should say the white shirt one is very important because he gives us plus one attack which you definitely want for these foot elites because they only have a 10 attack but they all have enhancement so the team currently is sam cap uh black widow 007 taskmaster at 50 points deathstroke at 50 points the flash three foot elites both scott porters green lantern black batman skinny steve rogers and the pin pocket tank don't forget the pin po pocket tank guys that thing is still really crazy so the reason why taskmaster is on the team is because of the ultimate nullifier if you remember the ultimate nullifier it's this really cool concept equipment it's kind of gimmicky where it says power choose an opposing character within six squares in the line of fire then choose a number from one to six to be x roll a d6 if the result is higher than x deal x damage to the chosen character if the result is lower than x deal x character to this x damage to this character if the result is equal to x deal x damage to both characters and so where that boils down to is taskmaster specifically has when another character within line of fire rolls a single d6 so willpower leadership you may place a die on this card with that result, replacing any die already there. When Taskmaster would roll a single d6, you may instead remove the d6 from the from his card and use that result. So I'm seeing now I um, when I built this, I built it a little off. Effectively, the concept is that Taskmaster either has the ultimate nullifier, and my thought was. You can have Falcon bring him up because Falcon, the one that kind of, you know, carries him and or moves by him through a square and then drops and they get placed. He could technically take the power action and then be able to do the, the, the five or the six. And then, right, you could choose five and know you're going to replace that number with a five or a six and just deal five or six damage straight through. It might be too gimmicky, right? I don't have it with Falcon currently. So I'm kind of like, that's what I meant by, 
I have the basis of the team. I'm not entirely sure how I want it to work. But I do think Foot Elite are pretty good. I know there's a lot of defensive shells out there. But I love the concept of here's all of like, here's the flashes. It's really a one and done, right? Like the game is probably over after turn two, after turn three, because either you demolish their team or you're about to get demolished, right? So there is a version of it where you don't play Taskmaster. You just play like a King Killmonger uh, or one of the other soldiers. So you have a little bit more stability, a little bit more... Uh, you know defensive powers to survive but i do think foot elites is one of those that i think could be good i just don't know if it's really quite there yet i, I have some more tinkering i need to do with it moving on to team three team three is a ruler team it is unbelievably simple legacy ultron ultron pym king killmonger because who does not love that Masters of Evil engine? And then I put Starro on there. The concept of this is that you have effectively four characters that are pretty hard to kill. Not super easy to dig through them. Legacy Ultron, very difficult to kill. The problem is, is that he doesn't get a lot of powers without his old buddy, Ultron Pym. Well, hey, guess what? You could play Ultron Pym and Sealed. Because Ultron Pym can make those ultrons drones for free and things can really go to town at that point king killmonger fits for a ruler that gives you some extra stability gives you a tk some other pieces that you want to fit on there and then star is really the piece I'm, I'm weighing my options for i knew i wanted to go ruler you could opt to go like scott porter's or a scott porter you can't go both Unless you chose Ruler, which I don't think you could black shirt. But if you went white shirt Scott Porter, you could. And you could play Mephisto instead, right? To give you kind of more oomph to that MOE engine. And then there's other pieces that could really fit in there. Jennifer Kale is a decent piece. Even Daredevil, the one that... The legacy Daredevil that shouldn't be played how he plays. Is a solid, solid piece to play in this version. Um, you could go Camo. That's another one I strongly considered. Right now I have Starro because I own Starro, and that's kind of the easiest piece for me to play. I think Starro's still really good. He's not easy to take out. And I think all the mind control he's doing is still really good. Like, I just effectively, I think it's good. So it's really built around Legacy Ultron him being nutty and now he has an extra 100 points to play like you could switch in mad gym if you wanted to to be able to move around equipment to give more options so like you could play like a instead of starro do a like annihilation mad gym jaspers version where you're throwing out those those demons and swap out swords you could do like a merlin you know ruler is a very good keyword so if you wanted to go for something that's harder to take out, kind of like you're scoring a decent amount of points, but you're not going to give up that many points, I think you, you could do fine with Legacy Ultron. You gave it to the Doom Chases, which I considered. I don't know if they're really worth it at 75 points, but it is a thing. You could technically play Spider Pharaoh to, to take everyone around, and that opens up 
the potential of Marvellas and a few other more defensive pieces if you wanted. But Legacy Ultron is probably the second team after Avengers I'm considering, mostly because I have a lot of those pieces, and I think it's pretty good. The last piece we'll talk about for today is um, the Goblin King team. It is very much a work in progress. Right now I have Goblin King at 275. I have Blackheart at 50 points. This is the new Blackheart from Wheels of Vengeance. Uh, he has Monster. It's a ruler theme team, funny enough. But uh, Goblin King does have Monster. So Blackheart can just move up and Goblin King would go adjacent. So he's like your super TK type piece. And, you know, he provides some empower. He's a little easy to KO, so I'm kind of... I wish I had more time to, to test it. But then you have the Scott Porters. You can probably, if you wanted to, get rid of the Blackheart and play two Scott Porters and like a Jennifer Kale to kind of help add some stability. But I'm really kind of... I really need to work on the Goblin King team a little bit more because it might ultimately just be the team I choose, right? You have 125 points to build some good stuff to go with Goblin King. Like, things that are difficult to, to KO. And you could go non-theme if you really, really wanted to and play, like, you know, in, in this Silver Age, Haha -ha Joker still exists. Right? Like, he is a thing. Now, he doesn't have any keywords that Goblin King has. That's the downside. But he does exist. Monster. Goblin King has Dark Avengers, Monsters, and Ruler. So Monster and Ruler are the ones you're going with. If I was just scanning through Monster real quick and thinking of pieces that you could potentially play him with. Um, you could potentially go... Uh, he doesn't have Mystical, so Cthon would not work. Forget I said that. Scratch that from the record. Um, Daredevil, I mentioned before, could technically go on there. Uh, Camo is just enough points but you probably don't want to use all your points on camo doomsday moe engine works which that's arguably probably the better choice is to go mephisto and king killmonger and so that ends up being 80 points that takes you to 255 you could throw on some equipments throw on a scott porter that's arguably probably the best version right like i'm gonna go ahead and just take out the the ones I had in there. And let me just go ahead and add in Black Skull at 50, Mephisto at 30. That gives you 255. If you add the other Scott Porter, White Shirt Scott Porter, who has all keywords. So that way you have um, the capabilities of putting up some barrier due to the, the constructs. So like add that one, sure. That puts me at 280. That gives me enough equipment, I think. Um, as far as equipment goes, I've talked to some people, some people like uh, Cosmic Cube. I think I'm probably leaning towards two rings, like Remaker Ring and either like Nightbringer or Diamonic to give you Precision Strike, just to kind of limit what powers you have to choose. Like, I don't want to have to choose Shape Change every time, so go ahead and give them Shape Change. Uh... I think that's perfectly fine. I don't want to have to... You could give them just 
the I don't think you really want to give him the health cycle or any of that because you could just pick those powers so I think you just go ahead and give him a little bit of defensive powers give him shape change with remaker give him one other one whichever one you want uh, probably daimonic uh, you could give him the energy explodey one nightbringer gives him stealth so if you want to go fully defensive you could go nightbringer and remaker and that gives him a lot of defensive powers and then that leaves you 10 more points so that gives you something to put um scott porter already has the ring for free you don't really want to put anything on black skull so that gives mephisto to put on emotional modifier to give some protection from mind control you could give him another ring if you want there's a lot of options at 10 points for mephisto and that's probably where i would lean right like i think Honestly, if I own Mephisto, which I don't, I might lean this version of the team anyway. Like, this might bump up to second place over Ultron, because I think it's pretty nutty. Like, Mephisto allows that engine and allows Goblin King to keep living, right? Because you just, every time you swap your Masters of Evil person, he's just going to heal a click. Once per turn, when another character leaves the sideline, after resolution, so you may heal one click on a friendly character, remove an action token. And you could do both if it's an MOE. So yeah, man, yeah, I think the base team is just Goblin King, Black Skull, Mephisto, Scott Porter. And you just have one of the rings. Goblin King, you give two. Mandarin rings is my opinion the best option. Because you can't equip multiple gems unless you're Thanos. So I think, yeah, I think you can just go. Let me look at the rings. Make sure I'm not remake. Yeah, remaker influence. No spin ring. You really don't. You don't need that because you have Scott. Uh, well, this Scott Porter doesn't have TK. E. So maybe you give Mephisto the spin ring. That's probably what you do. You give Mephisto the spin ring to be able to TK, even though you could switch into Iron Inquisitor. And then you give Nightbringer. Um, I'm sorry, I was saying Daimonic. Spectral is the one with Precision Strike. Daimonic is the one that is improved targeting Hindering, which is also really important for Goblin King. Uh, Lightning is okay. Goblin King only has one target. Zero ring. No, thank you. So you could... Yeah, maybe you do that. Is it one? No, it says during force construction, characters may be assigned two equipment if both are Mandarin rings. Yeah, so here's what I'm thinking, everybody. building Team building as I'm recording this. Goblin King, you give the Rainmaker because you want to go ahead and give him shape change. And then you decide whether you care more about Precision Strike or you want to give him nightbringer to give him stealth and smoke cloud i probably am leaning more towards nightbringer and remaker just to give him those extra powers and then mephisto you also equipped with two and you give him spin ring and zero ring and then that way he's able to tk goblin king out or he could be your barrier if you need to in conjunction with scott porter to provide a barrier shield so i actually Man, this is kind of a bummer because now I kind of like this team and I might try to play this over because I have Goblin King, 
I would just need a Mephisto and probably a Black Skull. I don't think I own Black Skull. So I would need both of those pieces, but I have everything else that I could possibly need. And I've got some thinking to do. I think 275 Goblin King is fun. To be honest, with this team, I think he could be super solid. And it's a ruler-themed team. That's silly. That's really, really silly. Um, so yeah, those are my four teams. By far, it's not all the pieces of silver. But I will say, having built around silver this weekend, I do think the format's going to be pretty fun, guys. Um, definitely way more open than modern. Because modern is kind of limited by the limited amount of pieces that we have currently legal so with that that's going to do it for this episode of g whiz i hope you guys had a wonderful weekend you're having a great monday we'll be back on wednesday to do part two of my interview with brian davis um, i will do another you know whiz kids progress report to talk about stuff but i will see you on wednesday and you guys have a great beginning of the week see you